Go ahead and grab a seat, everybody. Good morning. Uh, welcome to Restoration, and if you're new, uh, we're just so glad you're here. My name's Ryan, and um, there's a lot happening here at our church. I, I did want to say that just that reflecting on that line, you're my future and you're my past, is really to locate ourselves um, in worship, uh, locate our, uh, you know, taking our lives and seeing them in perspective about who God is. And I, I just think that is such a worshipful line. And so I think it's hard sometimes that when we're singing to really mean what we're singing. And, and that's a pretty bold statement to say, you are my future, you are my past. And so I don't know where you're at today on that. Um, and I don't know how much of of your life has, uh, has really allowed you to, uh, to reflect on that um, idea. But uh, as we kind of head into this uh, last week of, uh, last but not least, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. I just want us to reflect a little bit on the bigness of that statement. And, uh, but like I said, today's kind of a crazy day. It's a big day uh, for us as a church. Um, there's a lot of people traveling, um, and there's a huge chunk of us um, in San Diego right now, ready to cross the border into Mexico to head to Rancho de Sus Niños, an orphanage that we, we just love. Our heart beats for what they're doing down there. Um, and so our group is um, actually probably very shortly hitting the In-N-Out Burger before they cross the border. So yeah, bummer for them, right? Um, but some of us were actually up at 2.45 this morning, um, getting everybody out the door. So I've got a lot of coffee uh, coursing through me, and um, this could get really, really interesting today, so I'm super pumped about that. Um, but hey, a couple announcements. One, a pub chat for guys, uh, for the fellows is coming up here. There's a ladies' event um, on the calendar. Um, love to have you guys at this. These are two great, really simple, non-life-threatening ways to meet people, and so if you are uh, craving just a little bit of be, being known or knowing people, this is a great way to do it. And um, no one can make you do it. Uh, so there is a little bit of risk on your part. We, we encourage a little bit of courageous uh, steps around here. So we'd love for you to jump into these. These are, these are great ways to get to know people. Uh, we have small groups meeting throughout the summer. Uh, there are places you can serve around here. That's also a great way to get to know people. I just got to tell a story. Um, today, our, our truck driver, Josh Miller, who we're going to have up here in a second, uh, calls me at about 7 o'clock, and he goes, yeah, the truck won't start. And so, you know, around here, I don't know if you know this, but this is in our building. And um, so this all gets set up, and it all goes in a 24-foot box truck. And uh, so it's, you know, it's touch and go sometimes. It's just like, well, will church happen? And so uh, we, got, we got the truck jumped. We got it all set up. Everything was great. But it's just one of those things where it's an adventure every Sunday around here. And um, you can be a part of that adventure if you want to. Um, in any way, and, and so we just have fun with it. Sometimes it's just like, well, what are you going to do? So uh, most of the time, let me just say this, 99% of the time we get this place set up, um, even more than that, so it's only been once or twice. Um, but hey, if you want to be a part of the roadie team, we'd love to have you do that too, and uh, just be praying for our Mexico team this week. Um, but this Sunday is also kind of a bigger Sunday, and if we could get some house lights up a little bit, in here. I can't even see you guys. It's just not even right. Um, uh, we are saying goodbye and sending off the Miller family. And if, I know, boo, there's, uh, there's still time to slash tires. And uh, 
the Millers are the best, um, really are. We met, I've met the Millers uh, almost two years ago, and as we were interviewing uh, Shalene for our children's ministry director position here, um, and we have gotten to know them and their kids and their heart, and they're just so genuine. And just over the last number of months, God has been just slowly uh, moving them towards a move um, that is just really good for their family. Uh, we believe in God's best for them as they head to Bentonville, Arkansas. Uh, yeah, and uh, so that is all happening this week. Truck comes tomorrow, loading it. You know, everything's going to fit perfect, and uh, except for your tires aren't going to work. Um, but uh, we are, so today we're celebrating the Millers, and so I want the Millers to come up because we have some things for you, and we want to pray for you, but we also want you to know that you cannot leave here today without eating um, some cupcakes that uh, Dana Ewing baked for them, special. Um, can you guys make it all the way up here? Yeah, yeah. So, and they're miss, we're missing a Miller. We're missing the Shaggy Miller, um, Riley. And, and so we'll, there's, a, there's, a, there's a cost for him today, not, not being here. So we'll get into that. But we know that um, this is a huge faith step for you guys. And we just know that there's a lot of um, uncertainty and all that involved. But we're super excited. And we just get it. We just know it seems right. It seems right to us. Um, and so what we've done is we've put together some... You guys ready? We've put together some um, road trip uh, baskets for the kids, okay? Now, they're, they're pretty overdone, so I don't know where you're going to put these. Um, but Riley's uh, gets to be pillaged by the other three kids <laughs> because he's not here. So um, these are for you guys, okay? So inside you'll find just a lot of cool stuff. But then also, will you grab me that bag? Sorry, Angela. Thanks for being the Vanna of the morning. Um, this is for you guys, okay? And then what we've also, we have some notes and letters, and, and we have, uh, Shalene, I'm going to give these to you, okay? And then in here is kind of a bouquet of gift cards for the road, okay? So you've got Subway, you've got, of course, there's got to be a Cracker Barrel somewhere, <laughs> right? I mean, Arkansas. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You guys are going to probably be like 30 pounds heavier by the time you get there. So you might, never mind. Um, filter, filter. So we just want you to know that you guys will be sorely missed around here. And uh, Shalene, your leadership and your care for our children's ministry and our volunteers has been, what are you crying for? There's, they're right here in your bags. See? There's also wet ones, so <laughs> if you want one of those. Um, you, your, your leadership, your guys' pastoral heart is going to be missed around here. Josh drives the truck for us um, sometimes, off and on, depending on if it starts. Um, and they just been, they're just servants. And so missed is not even the right word for this. So we're just rooting you guys on so many ways. So will you guys pray with me for them? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this family. We know that their heart is to follow you. 
we know that every day they seek to follow you and live on mission, and that's, that's just something we love about them, just one of the many things we love about them. We love their humor. We love their adventure. We love their willingness to risk. And so, God, during this really crazy, uncertain move, God, we pray that there's on the other end just a huge that there's people that are ready to just receive them. Um, there's people that they don't even know yet. They're going to be lifelong friends very shortly. And uh, we just trust that. We just trust that you're, you're in this with them. So give them a joyous um, drive, um, and then an adventure ahead that they can just look back on years from now and say, yep, God was there, just like he promised. So God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. I don't know which one's which, so uh, take the one you want. I, get, I know, I think there's names on I was doing Oh, fine. you're going to go through them. I was doing fine. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> deal with it. Will you guys do me a favor? Stand up, say hi to somebody, and we'll, uh, yes. We got cupcakes to eat in a little bit. Um, good to see everybody. I was uh, thinking the other day of one of my favorite sports quotes. It's from Mike Tyson, uh, funny enough. And um, Mike Tyson, back, back when he was in his prime, Mike Tyson was fighting a guy named Michael Spinks. And uh, there's this big heavyweight title match um, Funny enough, Donald Trump was the, the one who was bankrolling it. So, um, but there's this huge title match. Um, and you know how they do before the match. They do the weigh-in. And then there's like a lot of trash talking. And Michael Spinks is talking a whole lot of junk. Michael Spinks is telling Tyson what he's going to do, how he's going to do it. He's just telling him what, you know, what he's, how he's going to beat him up so bad and all this kind of stuff. And Mike Tyson leans in to the microphone and he says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's all he says. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. One minute, 31 seconds was the length of the fight. It was the fourth fastest heavyweight fight in history. There were 10 punches landed. Eight of them were Mike Tyson's. The last one, Michael Spinks was knocked out. And it was just an amazing commentary to uh, how this all goes down, especially in the boxing world. But isn't it interesting to think about that phrase, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I mean, we can relate to that, right? I mean, in life, we have plans. We have big plans. We have expectations. This is how it's going to go. We, we create mental models about how life should be, how we're going to parent, how our career's going to go, how, how it all is going to sort out. And then we get punched in the mouth. And then what do you do? So today, as we wrap up this series, as we gather, as we think, as we reflect, uh, this series on the Holy Spirit, I just want to set the table a little bit. Because if all of your dreams have come tr true up to this point in your life, 
if, um, if all your hopes have been fulfilled, if, if all your relationships have been reconciled, if you're stress-free, if you're anxiety-free, if you're debt-free, if you're in the midst of the most rich and deeply satisfying season of your life, then this message is not for you. And, and you can grab your cupcake early and kick it in the lobby. But for, for many of us, we're dealing with, in some sense, uh, a, a messed up set of expectations and plans. We've been kind of punched in the mouth. And as we wrap up this conversation on the Holy Spirit, last week we kind of broke from traditional me talking, you listening format, and, and which is always a hard format. And we did this discussion, and Dan Zesvorka was up here. Dan's actually leading our Mexico trip right now. So if you missed last week, you missed a week. <laughs> Um, we had just a great time telling stories, asking questions. It was pretty lively. Um, there were children present, and they probably shouldn't have been. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, some of you have been asking about the podcast from that, and there was just some technical stuff with Dan's mic that made it really um, uncomfortable to listen to. And so apologies for that. So, uh, But there's a tendency for us to think just on the... As a reminder, there's a tendency for you to think, sitting here and me standing here, there's a tendency for you to think that I have some sort of an expertise on the things I'm telling you. And, um, and I think in church circles, this tends to be this, this messed up idea that, oh, okay, he's the pastor, he's got this figured out. He's been down this road, and now he's teaching us the wisdom of his experience. And that's just not the case. And I just want you to, even though there's like a foot a difference in height here, I mean, there's, there's no difference between us. Like, I don't have, what I'm about to teach you is something that I'm learning. And so, therefore, there's no, uh, oh, he's got this figured out, so we just got to trust him with it. Um, we're just on a journey here. And, and, in fact, our vision statement as a church is this. We strive to recognize and participate. You, you got to catch that word strive. We're trying, we're striving to recognize and participate in the kingdom of God and to be a people that live inviting and distinct lives of discipleship. That's our vision statement. We're trying. We're, we're doing that as a people, as a community. And so I'm on that journey. You're on that journey. We may be in different places in that journey, but we're all on it. No one's an expert. No one's got it figured out. No one's got the magic formula or the magic bullet. And so when we talk about this idea of the Holy Spirit working in us and living in us, um, we talked earlier, uh, a few weeks ago, about this idea that we need to continually press into this, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, opening up our lives to the Holy Spirit. And that it's this, uh, this passive stance that we have, but it's active, it's always ongoing, it's always happening. Paul says to continually be filled with the Spirit, meaning continually open your life up to the Spirit. And so, as we started the beginning of the series, we started with the words of Jesus. And Jesus said in John chapter 14, I'm just going to read you this. This won't be on the screen. It says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. 
On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So Jesus is not saying that I'm just not going to be with you, that, that I'm just not going to walk alongside of you. I'm actually going to be in you. That something mysterious is going to happen. In John 16, he says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So this idea that it's better that I leave because if I leave, then I'm going to send this one that's just like me to live in you. And that's going to be a game changer. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. So he's kind of setting up this idea of the Holy Spirit coming. And he's saying, there's much more to this, but you can't handle it yet. You're dealing with all this emotion of me leaving. You're dealing with all this uncertainty. You cannot handle all of it yet. And I have much more to say to you. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So Jesus is saying there's more to come. He's going he's gonna to tell you things that are coming from me. But you're just not ready for all of it yet. More to come. More to be said. So really the big question for us today is how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we live in this life? How do we live in this life that is full of dissatisfaction and aching and yearning and suffering and frustration? How do we live and work and raise children and have ambitions and serve and dream and yearn? How do we do that well? How do we live between the promises that Scripture gives us about what is to come and what we live in right now, what our lives are like right now? And what do we do with the deep stuff, you know? The deep stuff, the stuff we don't have words for. The deep down ache, the unresolved dissatisfaction, that those things that we all experience, what do we do with all that? Well, in Romans chapter 8, Paul has been giving this idea of hope uh, to the people in Rome, the Roman Christians. And he's, he's been laying out who God is and what God has done for us and what that means for us. And then in Romans chapter 8 is this beautiful piece of Scripture about the Spirit. And there's words used in this passage that aren't used anywhere else. Anywhere else. Not even just in Paul's writing. In Romans chapter 8, verse 22, as we begin, uh, Paul starts off like, by this. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. So this idea that creation, that everything created, everything we see, nature, uh, humanity has been groaning, that there's something unresolved and unsatisfied about life. And it's been groaning up until this present time. And, and maybe it's, it's hard for us sometimes as Americans to see it. 
But I think if we're honest and we take a step back and we look at this world and we look at how things work, it's not right. It's not how it should be. And yet at the same time, we also taste the stuff that, that seems otherworldly. And in verse 23, he goes on, he says, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, remember we talked about a little bit about this, that this idea that the Spirit now in us does something in us and through us, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And remember, Paul is a big, huge uh, user of the word adoption. And in Roman culture, adoption meant something different, a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit stronger meaning than I think we have here. See, in Roman culture, to be adopted meant that you uh, assumed the same inheritance as if you were a firstborn son or daughter. That in Roman culture, you received the name, the standing of the person who adopted you. And, and in fact, if you adopted a child in Roman culture, you could not disown them. You could disown your own biological children, but you could not, under law, disown an adopted child. So it was a big deal to be adopted. You assumed all the inheritance, the name, the standing of your uh, adoptive parent. You were viewed legally almost um, uh, in a more special place than if you were a firstborn son. And so when Paul mentions adoption to sonship, that is a strong phrase, that God actually has adopted us in such a way that it is binding. And there is inheritance coming, and nobody, nobody can separate us from that. In fact, he goes on later in Romans to say there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. No height, depth. And he just goes through a list of extreme things that cannot separate you. And there's this beautiful uh, 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 connection and, a, and, and, and pursuit of God, of, uh, a pursuit of God of us in this exchange. And so he talks about this groaning that we have. In the midst of our waiting to be fully adopted and to experience this full inheritance that God promises, there's this groaning in us. There's something in us that is unsettled. And you know what I'm talking about. You can't put words to it, but you feel it. I mean, if you're really honest, if, if you're putting away, if you're pushing aside the distractions, if you're, if you're uh, over-entertained over and, and, and if, you're, if you're overfed and you're all these things, at the end of the day, you're just like, there's still something missing. There's still something in me that groans. There's still, as I see the news, as I hear from friends and neighbors of, of the difficulties they're going through, there's, there's something that just in me, just all that we have words for is a groan. That's all we have. And Paul puts his finger on it. He says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. He says there's this hope there's there. You can't see it, but we, we wait for it patiently. And at the same time, we got this groaning and we're patient and, and it was just, ugh. And then in verse 26, where we're going to camp out, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So what is this weakness? In our weakness, in our inability to communicate, in our, in our frustration, in our deepest, uh, most frustrated groaning, God intervenes. He meets us there. He doesn't wait till we figure that out. He doesn't wait till we get over it. He doesn't wait till the pain has subsided. He doesn't wait for the confusion to dissipate. He meets us right there. See, in Romans 8, Paul rightly confesses that we do, in fact, have weakness. And in our culture, that's a tough thing to admit. Okay? It's a tough thing to admit. It's a tough thing to admit that we're sad, that we're scared, that we're freaked out, that we're anxious, that we're all these things. It's a tough thing to admit that we don't have it all together. It's a tough thing to admit that our expectations have, have been dashed. It's a tough thing to admit that suffering, that we're still suffering over something that we should have, uh, quote unquote, been over. It's a tough thing to admit that the, the things that we're dreaming about may not come true. But the cool thing is that the spirit within every disciple longs to help where we're weak, longs to meet us at that point. And there's something about our church cultures that tell us to just get over it too, right? Sometimes you go to church and here's, here's the five ways to get over anxiety. Here's the eight ways to solve your spouse. But that's not helpful. You know what, what's in my heart is I think about the groanings in my heart and the frustrations in my heart are usually around three, three areas. One is my competency. Do, I mean, I have this inner voice that's always aggressively um, badgering my competency. And some of it's, uh, you know, spiritual. It's mainly spiritual. It's like you are, uh, God's not going to listen to you. Um, you, you don't have really what it takes to, to really lead people or help people or do what you're supposed to do in your job. And so there's this inner war, there's this inner dialogue in my life about my own competency. And I don't know if you have that, but I have that. The other one I have is comparison. Comparison is a weakness for me as well. How am I doing uh, compared to somebody else? Am I, am, do I measure up to them? Are they better than I am? Am I better than they are? There's always this, you know, thing going on. And, and we do that in our work lives. We do it in our neighborhoods. We do that in our families. We do it all the time. 
We are constantly sizing each other up. So I've got the competency thing going. I got the comparison thing going. And then I got this control thing going. I'm trying to control things. Because really, what? If we can control things, right? They're more convenient. They're easier to deal with. um, There's less pain. I I can set up better boundaries and systems, and, and boundaries are good. Uh, don't get me wrong, but there's this idea of control in our lives that if, if things are not our control, we go sideways. And so as I think about my life, when I'm engaged in competency, I'm, I'm trying to feel equipped, right? I'm trying to feel strong in my own abilities, When, I, when I'm trying to compare myself with other people, that I actually believe that there's this way to um, achieve some sort of a personal victory if I, can, if I can be a little bit better than them. And then, then I, here's the other thing. I think I swallow hold this lie that if, if only I can control my life, if only I can worry about it enough, manipulate it enough, work hard enough, then I'll get what I want. And these are weaknesses. And all of these things, what they are, are, are weaknesses that end up rolling around in my head and there's this inner dialogue and there's this frustration and there's this dissatisfaction. And God actually wants to meet me in that. It's not that he wants me to figure it out and get rid of it, which is good. But you and I are all caught up in these inner dramas, and we lack clarity, and we don't even know how to pray. And there's this inner dissatisfaction and frustration with our lives and the lives around us, and we just don't even know what to say. Have you ever sat in a room with someone who is just crushed by tragedy, and you're just like, I don't even have words. Oh, we can manufacture some really, really cheesy ones, some bumper sticker Christian, you know, words. Um, But those don't do anything. We know that. So to even say them feels kind of dumb. But there's, there's just moments in our lives that we're just wordless. We're just so fed up with our own inner dramas, our own competency and comparison and control issues, and we just don't even know what to say. What, we don't even know how to connect with this God who promises to live in us. So my question to you today is this. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe, just maybe, it was time to break free from this cyclical prayer cycle where we write down our prayer requests and we just spout these things to God. That instead of doing that, that maybe, just maybe, there's this better conversation that's already happening within you that you need to join. That there's this inner dialogue between the Spirit and God that is already happening according to Romans 8 that you and me need to pay attention to. That instead of just throwing things out there and, and just uh, and trying to say things out loud and, and, and just not even knowing what to say and being frustrated at the end of it, have you ever considered there's this astonishing promise that the Spirit prays in us 
for us according to God's will. That's amazing. I mean, that is, God has done, the scripture's huge with God doing everything for us. I mean, it turns out that God actually meets us in our most confusing, anxiety-riddled, inner dramatic times to pray for us because we don't have the words for it. Or uh, maybe some of our, our words and our, our expectations and our, our requests for God are actually not what God wants for us at all. I, I meet with people all the time. They're like, I just want to know God's will. If God would just tell me what to do, then of course I would do it. Oh, would you? Right? I mean, that's always the question. Really, would you? And at the same time, there is something that God is trying to do in us and through us that, that's not, it's not a form, formulaic thing like, okay, spend three hours a day in prayer and God will tell you what he wants you to do. Though there's something that God wants to say. There's something God wants to change about our inner dialogue. He wants to change it. Paul is saying something amazing here. He is saying that there is a conversation already going on in our hearts in the deepest parts of ourselves. It says this, he says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, okay, intercedes for us. We don't know what we should pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. This idea that we can align our conscious intentions, okay, with the desire of God being already expressed at the core of us. That really, if Jesus promises the Spirit to live in us, that there's something already happening with the Trinity involved in us, with, with Jesus, God, the Spirit, and, and there's this beautiful communication, there's this, there's this beautiful interaction that is happening right now in you. So there's, there's different conversations happening in your, in your mind and in your heart, there's the first one was this com competency, con you know, comparison control conversation that's this inner drama that's your own life, your own thoughts, your own script in your mind happening. But, but really what Paul is saying is there's something to be said for being still, to being silent, and surrendering. See, we've talked about surrendering to the Holy Spirit, this member of the Trinity that indwells us and connects us. And really what Paul's saying is in some mysterious way, there is this connection for us of, an, of, a, of, a, of a conversation that is happening in the Trinity. It sounds so crazy. So mysterious. And yet at the end of the day, I think you and I would agree, I would rather have the eternal conversation than the internal conversation. The internal conversation is this one that's with myself, saying things like, uh, are you really measuring up? Did you do that right? Do those people like you? Are you, are you competent enough? Um, uh, are, you, are you good enough? Um, are you good enough for this person, for this, for this job, for this relationship? Are you, uh, are you in control enough? Do you have enough at stake here? Are you enough? That's the inner drama. It's like running full speed and never going anywhere. 
it's, it's exhausting is what it is. See, the truth about it, I'm just going to lay some truth on us for a second here. The truth is we are less important than we think. You are. You and I are less important than we think, and yet we're more loved than we know. And I think that's really important. It's so significant for us to get because this idea of losing some significance is actually grace. It's actually a good thing for us. And if you lose a bit, if you, you're able to take a different perspective on you, the only way that you're going to experience real freedom is to take a step away from this inner drama in your life, this inner, this inner uh, conversation that you're having. And this is all about choosing the right conversation. And Paul is saying the conversation is happening right now. As you don't know how to pray, my guess is this is a room full of people who, if we're really honest, we don't really feel like we've got this unbelievable prayer life. We feel frustrated. And a lot of that is because we're paying attention to the wrong conversation. There's this eternal conversation happening that's full of joy and mystery. And, and this, this Holy Spirit is constantly speaking with the Father and the Son. It's one that's full of sacrifice it's full of acceptance, and it's full of love, and it's just this beautiful picture of what it's really meant to be in a relationship with God. And God ultimately comes all the way to where we're at to make that conversation happen. What it takes from us is, is a bit of surrender. A little bit more a little bit more silence, a little bit more surrender, a little bit more stillness, a little bit more of, 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 of understanding what that inner dialogue normally is with us and kind of beginning to push that out. This is actually a conversation that I would rather have the conversation of, of, of with the Holy Spirit than with myself because I'm pretty jacked up with myself. I know it sounds like I have a multiple personality disorder, but I'm just saying, we tell ourselves things all the time. There's an ongoing script inside each one of us. But this is really the beginning and end of what it means to be a disciple. This really is what it means to follow Jesus. Because there's something that Jesus loves about, Jesus loves us right where we're at, and yet at the same time, he doesn't want us to stay there at all. You know, I'm so looking forward to stories of the Millers five years from now, what God has done five years from now. There's something happening in all of us, and we need to pay attention to what God's already saying. When we don't have the words, we are met in that place by the Spirit. When we don't know what to pray for, yes, even when we pray for things that are not best for us, what ends up happening is, is that we have despair when it comes for that, and we can depend on the Spirit to intercede on our behalf, to actually change the language, to actually change our hearts in the process. That the Spirit actually has this way of, of, of communicating our deepest groanings, the deepest things in our lives, even when we don't have words for them. And when we can't speak, the Spirit speaks for us. 
So my, my prayer for you and I today is stop trying to talk. Stop the chatter. Find a way to believe and lean into this idea that the, the Spirit is actually meeting you right where you're at. Right in your doubt. Right in your fear. Right in your anxiety. Right in your, your, your mess. Be still, be silent, surrender. So we've, we've asked a couple huge questions this series. The first one is this. What is going on in your life that only God can be the explanation of? And the other is, what is going on in us that only God can be the explanation of? And those are two questions that we want to lean into as we, as we finish this series and we move forward. There's, there's plenty of things coming for us. And at the same time, we want to affirm something that is very near and dear to us as a church. If you go on our website and you look at the, the, the key things that we believe, we call them uh, affirmations. And, and we're connected with a number of churches that have the same affirmation. But one of our affirmations is this. We affirm a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. We don't say, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean hey, we affirm uh, getting all of our doctrine right. Or, um, and having a right view of, of the end times. Or having, um, uh, you know, uh, a right view politically. No, none of those things. Those, those, aren't, those aren't affirmations for us. The affirmation for us is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, if Jesus is right, if Scripture, if all we know of the Holy Spirit, we've learned in Scripture these last six weeks, and there's much more to learn. We can believe that the Holy Spirit lives in us if we are followers of Jesus. That meets us in our deepest groanings and prays for us when we don't have words. And that's freedom. You have freedom to not have words. You have the freedom to groan, to ache, to say what's really happening. And I, I just, as we finish this up, I just want you to know that there is a joyful life and road ahead for all of us as we take this more seriously, as we follow the Spirit in our lives. Can we pray?